I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop and numbers on Twitter. Use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. I'm director of the Fifth Element. We'll highlight Fifth Element hip hop with his knowledge. Let it roll, get bold. I just can't hold back or fold because I'm a man with soul in control and effects. What the heck? Rock the disco text. The I to D is what's next. That's another one. Mm, mm, mm. Hi, Ben. <laughs> Hi, Ben. How's your week been? What have you been this week? Wild week, man. Wild week. We'll get to it. In the lighter note, I have something very funny to talk about. Uh, but this week, man, I only got into three records um, because not much has come out. Uh, I was excited that st- something came out. Alchemist, West Side Gun, Conway should be a classic, right? I'm just going to say it. I'm really bored of Conway. I don't need to listen to any more Conway. I feel like he has flooded the market in the past 12 months with way too much content. And I think he's run out of things to say, to be 100% honest. It just felt like... And I know that this probably was recorded a while back because I think Alchemist was talking about it on Twitter and saying that they had something in the cut and that they were just going to drop it randomly. So it was obviously not something that... I, I mean... It, it may have been something they just recorded, but my impression was it had been recorded a while ago. So yeah, man, Conway unfortunately let the project down. I thought the beats were a touch sleepy. They were good, but like, you know, Al- we were expecting greatness from Alchemist. Westside Gun, man, carried the whole project for me. I-, I just love that man. I love everything he says. Love his vocal tone. I did ask people the other day who the most annoying voice in hip-hop is. And it'll be interesting to see if Westside Gun comes out in the top five, because I assume he will be. Um, but for me, I, I just love everything he does. So, yeah, that was a touch disappointing. You know, I was I was kind of expecting something incredible. But I do think when they, they collab, like the, the Griselda project from 2019, WWCD, I think it was called, that wasn't their best project, man. That wasn't incredible. So maybe when they collab, it's not where it's at. I'm, I'm not sure. But, yeah, it was nice. It was nice to get in that little break between Christmas and New Year. The Game and Big Hit, who is Hitboy's father, dropped the project. Um, it was all right, man. It, it wasn't bad. Like, as I say with The Game, you know, you can hate on The Game if you want, but you're just exposing yourself as a fucking idiot because he makes great music. He does. If you can't get past the antics, okay, like, you're listening to hip-hop. There's, there's antics, you know, that's just a silly excuse to be like, oh, I've just never listened but to The Game. But he is a grown-ass man. He's a grown-ass man. So is Drake, and you all listen to Drake. So, like, what the fuck, man? Like, Fair. Kanye's Fair a grown-ass man, and you listen to Kanye. You can't sit <laughs> yeah, here and tell mm-hmm, me, yeah. oh, I'm not going to listen to the game because he dissed Eminem once. I'm just once. playing devil's advocate. And then we're like, no, I'm not I'm not dragging. Charlie, Charlie's not involved in <laughs> I this. Know, Charlie, I know. Charlie's... I know. Charlie's got tenure in this. He's he's cool. He's he's safe. He's protected. <laughs> exactly, bro. But if you don't listen to the game because you're upset that he dissed Eminem once and you wish that you had Eminem's penis in your mouth at all times, then you're a fucking idiot. Just go listen to the game, man. Go listen to this album. It's good. The beats slap. No, I don't like Big Hit very much. Not not his biggest fan at all. But I just I like the game. The beats are good. 
Uh, final album was UFO 361, which people got very angry at me on Twitter because I called him UFO 360. And I'm like, okay, guys, like you need to get some real Miss problems. That one degree, bro. Bro, <laughs> makes that makes all the I difference. I know, I I fucked up. Like that was one of the biggest things in the world to people for some reason. But yeah, it was alright. There was a, there was a track towards the end that was a real dance banger, which I enjoyed. Uh, so yeah, man, that was that was worthy of a listen. It was worthy of a listen. Uh, and that's it for me. What about yourself, Charlie? You don't call him ninety nine Gex, do you? Anyway, um, so <laughs> no. Butcher Brown. <laughs> uh, Butcher Brown uh, solo music I kind of wish I listened to this Before I did my album list Because it would have been a very very close contender um, This is the Five piece band I think it is Yep, with DJ Harrison Shout out to DJ Harrison One of my faves uh, Corey Fonville um, And then Morgan Burrs And uh, Marcus Tenney So yeah this is um, a really just Really fucking good album It's, like, it's just a really op blend of like funk hip-hop jazz it's just it's got everything i want everything i could possibly want um keon harold pink seafood nappy nina braxton cook uh venetia gould jay prince um really good features on here they all just blend into this like really nice mold and the album itself is just such a entertaining listen from start to finish i was just uh I was just blasting it in my homie's house and it was just it was just really hitting. It was just feeling nice throughout. Really good vibe, um and really good sounds. So um yeah, shout out to Butcher Brown. Uh definitely gonna keep up with them on that one. Uh Bloody Civilian, Anger Management. Um this is uh, shout out to Mickey, you put me onto her on this one. Um African artist, which is always good. I'm always looking for those. Um, and yeah, so solid EP. Um, can't really complain about it. Um, he said he'll put, oh, this will threaten the EP list. It didn't, but uh, and it well, well, it didn't because um, it was too late on that front. It already dropped. But I get what he means. Um, and yeah, it probably wouldn't have. I probably would have put on maybe the long list. Um, but yeah, it's it's a solid EP. I can't complain. Uh, the Iron Sides, Changing Light. Um, so this is a I don't know. I've, I haven't looked it up actually. I don't know if it's a jazz group or anything, but um. It's a really, um, a really film. It's like a film score. It's just one of those, um, one of, one of those kind of albums where you're just going through it and it's just like just fucking hitting. You know what I mean? Just it makes you feel. It gives you that. Gives you that main character syndrome that um, I personally enjoy. Sometimes when I'm listening to music, you know, there's just some there's just some tunes that just make you feel like you're the main character. And uh, just makes you feel good. It's a good vibe. And uh, this one has that in some way. Uh, maybe not in the sense of like, um, you know, uh, like a big Sean Hype track, for example. But, um, you know, main character vibes in some way. And it just feels like so lush, so well produced. Um, and yeah, it just feels like a movie score. So I'm here for that. Um, and lastly, M-M-Y-Y-K-K. I guess that's how you say it. I'm not sure. It's literally just... The letters M, M, Y, Y, and K, K. Um, the midst of things. This is a very interesting one. Um, kind of synth-led in some fashion. And it just goes... Just goes to a ton of places. I will. I won't, I won't lie. I listened to this partly because Ricky Monique um, was featured on here a couple of times, and I love me some Ricky Monique. Um, I thought her EP from a couple of years ago was one of my favourites of recent years, and I've been, you know, just just uh, just thirsty for more. If anything, <laughs> I just I just I want more Ricky Monique in my life. Um, but 
yeah, you know, she was great on it as I expected, and the you know, he's I think I think dude's a producer, um, and um, it was just a it was a solid listen, um, interesting, uh, kind of just uh, this uh, electronic elements going on throughout, um, which didn't really help in terms of uh, uh, was, you know, consistency, let's just say, um, but um, yeah. It's a sod up, can't complain. It was only about twenty eight minutes, so it didn't um didn't you know, kill kill my kill my vibe too much on, on that front. And with that said, speaking of a vibe, um our first of I'm gonna call these five weeks just goat talk, man, 'cause we're we're just talking goats for the next few weeks. So I'm just gonna be real with you. We're just gonna be talking goats. <laughs> it's just in in some way or another, these these are just straight up goats and um a little story to backdrop this one, uh, which is a retrospective on the one and only Big Daddy Kane, BDK, Dark Gable, King Asiatic, nobody equal. Um, this is a guy that I've put in my top five um, since I even, ever since I actually just uh, went back a ways um, in terms of hip hop. So this was about 10, 11 years ago. And. Um, I just remembered hearing, you know, just listening to, you know, the first album and obviously, you know, the singles from that especially and just really, really being about it. <laughs> I was just like, this dude is fucking sick. And uh, after pretty much just that, I just straight up put it in the top five because I didn't really have anybody else to I listened to at that point. And he's just kind of stayed there. I've just kind of default just put Big Daddy Kane on my top five um, for no reason apart from um he's just he's just sick like his his flat top back in the day was tight um his his voice is sick his features over the years have always been welcome to me and i've just had no reason to replace him um but i actually never gave the majority of his work a listen um until now so that's why we're here and uh cool this 10 years of the making for me i've actually listened to big daddy kane and can actually uh well, spoiler alert, still keep him on my top five. Imagine if I listened to his discography and I just went, no, not top five anymore. <laughs> Andy, wow. <laughs> Imagine if I said that. Um, but yes, uh, this is just a, a confirmation episode in my eyes um, of just why he's top five for me and why he's, I think, objectively one of the top five lyricists of all time. Um, but yeah, that's me. But what's Ben got? What we got for us, Ben? Well, you know, obviously so much has been written and said about Big Daddy Kane. Uh, I don't think anyone who values their safety would deny his influence and impact on hip-hop because that's just, you know, highlighting ignorance. He is one of the originators. He inspired your favorite rappers. He is a true icon of the game. And I feel like he really does embody the title of MC. In an interview in 2019, he said, it was never about the money, it was really to showcase my skills. He does contradict that statement a few times, uh, and we'll get into that as, as we progress. But, you know, even if the many of the rappers he inspired were heavily focused on the money, his influence ensured that they wouldn't make much of it if their skills were not absolutely top tier. And I think that's one of the things we have to remember when praising the technical ability of 90s rappers. Like, 
Big Daddy Kane, Cool G Rap, Rakim, uh, Slick Rick. These were the pioneering MCs who ensured you have to be able to rap really fucking well to be taken seriously. And this fro- flowed freely into the 90s where, you know, Prodigy, Biggie, Nas, Jay-Z, Logs, Lauren Hill, DMX, so many truly elite MCs found commercial success through their ability to rap. It's something that we're not, we don't care about anymore. Like, it does not matter if you can rap or not anymore at all. As long as you don't make the, the beat sound horrible, you're probably going to have a hit on your hands. Like, it's, it's crazy how it's kind of flipped around. And, you know, lyrical legend rap is, it's relegated to the top of the Metacritic pile, which we discovered two weeks ago. You know, it, it doesn't touch Billboard. And you can debate whether that's a positive or a negative thing, but Big Daddy's Kane, Big Daddy Kane's influence can, it cannot be debated. He's an icon, not just because he was a lyrical monster, but because he exuded cool at a time when it was still cool to be cool. He had drip he could dance, he was a sex symbol, he had everything, he had literally fucking everything, and I think more so than anyone else in the 80s, when you look back at it, yeah, LL Cool J, you could argue as well, Um, but you know, I think Big Daddy Kane was respected more as an MC than LL, and that was part of the LL episode, where we talked about his transition into the early 90s, and I do wonder, I mean, there was never reference, but I do wonder if Big Daddy Kane rubbed off a little bit on LL, where LL was like, oh, I'm going to have to step my lyrical game up and start like eviscerating MCs because, you know, he was getting pigeonholed in a more of a ladies man role. And, you know, Big Daddy Kane played both sides of that. Um, so we get into his story because it's very interesting. Everything began when Kane met Biz Marquis at Albie Square Moore in 1984. They actually engaged in an epic battle, one of the earliest iconic battles in hip hop history and one of the most written about matchups of all time. Uh, Biz Marquis immortalized Albie Square Mall, uh, of course, in the song. But before he did that, it was a very popular battle spot, according to Kane, who told Rock the Bells, uh, that's where all the hood cats would hang out. We'd take the train up to Midtown and all meet over at Orange Julius. It was a hangout spot for all the teenagers. Now, Big Daddy Kane was a battle MC. Most rappers in the 1980s were, you know, we did the Book of Woo, and every single member aside from RZA was out battling people on the street to build up their rep. It was the cheapest and most effective way to not only level yourself up, but to gain attention and make connections. So many of the rappers we've covered from the 80s found their way into the industry through battle rap. Big Daddy Kane is absolutely no exception. So prior to this iconic biz battle, Kane was already a feared rapper. Rappers who excelled and showed themselves to be a cut above the competition rose very quickly in name recognition. You know, we talked about it with Jay-Z, we've talked about it with DMX, we talked about it with Busta Rhymes, so many examples of this. But you had to destroy countless MCs before you built up that name. This is not like you, you put out a hot freestyle and everyone's talking about it all the time. You had to keep destroying people over and over again. You don't get to become a rapper in the 1980s just because you feel like it. You had to work very, very hard. You had to prove yourself countless times to some of the harshest crowds any performer would face. So Big Daddy K, and and also I think that is something that we forget a lot nowadays where we're like, you know, for example, someone getting booed on stage, well, that's horrible. Like, okay, cool. But like, bro, these rappers were in the, the harshest of critics, they had to entertain the harshest of critics in order to succeed. So we go back to Biz Marquis because 
Bismarcky, he's the Q-tip before there was Q-tip. Um, all throughout the 1980s, Big Daddy Kane was roving around Brooklyn High looking for battles. With every rapper he took down, he seemed to be clawing his way closer to the pinnacle. And at the time, the pinnacle was Biz Marquee, which again, you might be sitting there like, oh, I don't really understand how that's possible because Biz is not the most lyrical MC of all time. But we know Biz Marquee. He's uh, the, the, he's the quintessential performer. So you can totally see how he'd just be destroying people. Like he's fucking hilarious too. He was, as I said, the Q-tip of the early 1980s. He knew everyone. He and Kane may have been entirely different artists, but they did share a love for flair and flash. You know, Biz was everything at once, rapper, producer, beatboxer, network, he could dance. But above all else, he was an entertainer. You know, he did all those shows for Roxanne Chante for no payment, just because he wanted to show love and support. He was a very, very benevolent rapper early in his career. He was a king. He was also the rapper that Big Daddy Kane set his sights on battling. So one day he randomly heard that Biz was at Albie Square Mall. He hot-footed over there with the goal of battling. Got there in time, the two battled, amassing a very impressive crowd because this was, you know, this was a, a much sought-after battle. People were very excited about this. And, you know, they were just highly entertained by a duo who enjoyed rapping together so much that after the battle, they actually decided to link up. Now, Big Daddy Kane rinsed Biz in the battle, but Biz was having so much fun, he was actually laughing along with Kane's punchlines. In Biz Marquee, Big Daddy Kane found what he was looking for because despite his battling success, he said in numerous interviews, he always wanted to push himself to record music. He told Rock the Bells that he recorded a demo with a rap group that he was running with, but they didn't take it seriously enough and it went nowhere, so he just did it all himself. And he recorded a song that name dropped every single artist signed to Motown, which is a cool idea. I mean, it was kind of like the 50 Cent How to Rob, but like, you know, a little bit less, I guess, incendiary. Um, he sent it off to Motown in the hopes that they would be like, oh shit, this guy's amazing. He's dissing on our rappers. But he never heard back from them. And dejected, he resigned himself to a career in battle rap. But after this battle with Biz, Biz Marquis asked Kane if he had any more rhymes saved up, and re when Kane replied yes, Biz promised him, he promised him that they would get a record deal together. And naturally, the two became fast friends. They were re regularly frequenting Albi Square Mall, crate digging. You know, Biz is just a pure soul. He told Rock the Bells, I wanted to prepare his stuff for his record, so when it was time for him to have his break, he'd be ready. So Biz would turn up to Kane's high school and beatbox in the lunchroom. Then they'd drive around all afternoon looking for other rappers to battle. Biz truly took Big Daddy Kane under his wing. He gave him the drive and the motivation to refocus on his rap career after the disappointment with the early demos, and he inspired Big Daddy Kane to start recording again. And what we got out of that was iconic. In a creative streak, the two recorded Vapors, Nobody Beats the Biz, Biz is going off, Picking Boogers, and Albie Square Mall, which are the building blocks to one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time, which is Going Off by Biz Marquee. I mean, that's the level of, I guess, whatever you want to call it, just the level of creative connection that these two had they did it so quickly it was incredible and you cannot deny that talent and you know this is a very simple origin story Kane was supremely talented his work with Biz on the debut album meant his admission into the Juice crew was uncontested he became the in-house writer for Biz and Shante and it was a very short ride to his debut album which is Long Live the Kane which is fucking classic Cat will see classic um 
I'm gonna give you uh, <laughs> I'm gonna give you the first track actually because I feel like it's a good start. Um, j- just for the just for the Tony the Tiger uh, line, it made me laugh. Um, so yeah, this album is again just like the one album I actually listened to, and I was like, yeah, that's top five. Um, I mean, you know, Raw Remix set it off eight and a half, eight and a half step in of just you know classic Cavill C classics. Um, and also, you know, just rhyme with the biz in, in some, uh, just rhyme with biz in some ways is a classic as well. And obviously, um, just a, a good reason to just have that, um, on the album, um, entirely produced Mumbali Mal and obviously Vi Cole Chillin. And, um, it's an album that is, you know, just, it, it's, it's kind of has this, uh, dustiness to it um i guess production wise and also i guess in terms of just vocals as well like it just sounds like compared to the other albums the other albums just sound more quote-unquote high quality um but yeah it's it's a regardless of the dustiness um it's uh just super classic <laughs> it's, it's just a super classic i can't really i can't really um say much more about it apart from that it, is, it has this um Obviously, this uh, motif that he keeps on with um, consi- pretty consistently throughout his um, his career and his discography. Um, sometimes leaning more towards the lover boy element, but in this case, um, you know, the main one was uh, the day you're mine, and you know, he's just literally he's just he's just talking just that love jam. You know what I mean? Just uh, <laughs> talk about uh, ever meeting Mrs. Right. Well, the one thing I know, the girl is high. I'm not a crab I see, but such a lovely female. And if looks a kill, she would be in jail. It's it's simple, and he gets the job done. And, you know, it also goes... The, his voice goes a fucking long way when it comes to those kind of songs. Um, we'll obviously get to the one with Barry White, which is just so indulgent. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, for now, uh, he has just that... He sets that tone for his for, for the majority of his career and just basically for his legacy at this point, um, where you know he's he's barring up, he's hitting you with tons of flows, he's hitting you with extremely um, just top tier flex bars, some funny bars here and there, um, and finishing off with uh, "Words in the Motherland," which is um, a really good Afrocentric um, Afrocentric finish, and uh, you know it's, I think that's a very poignant thing to finish on um considering majority of the album is him just like you know just saying how good of a rapper he is but he kind of finishes off on that um on that uh on that afrocentrism and uh, i think that was that was the key takeaway i took from the album i think from uh from the listens uh, this week yeah it's interesting actually i've been listening to uh sister soldier a lot on on cassette and just like reflecting on how different the content in the 80s was in comparison to what it is now, it's just like, yeah, it's if you go back in time and listen to these kind of music, you're like, oh shit, it's quite jarring the things they're talking about because they don't talk about that shit anymore. But Big Daddy Kane, man, this is a, this is a straight up fucking classic album. He was everything at all times, okay? He was a performer, he was a sex symbol, he was a true MC, flows, the aura, the artwork, everything about this album makes it a classic 
It's been cited by countless MCs as influential. Lyrics from the album have been interpolated, that's a difficult word to say, well over 300 times by other MCs. Doom, Joy Badass, Biggie, Luda, Run the Jewels, Big L, NWA, Raekwon, Nicki Minaj, Prodigy, Gangstar, LL Cool J, Heavy D, Redman, Lord Finesse, Jurassic 5, J-Live, Cannabis, EPMD, Jay-Z, of course. The list is endless. So many rappers have taken lyrics from this album. The first listen of this album is a wild experience because you know i'd already been listening to quite a lot of hip-hop before i got into big daddy kane um and you know you already knew half the lyrics because they'd been regurgitated so many times it's like oh yeah i know that lyric i know what song that came from that came from that jay-z song that came from that mpmd song that is crazy man so his rhyming style as charlie says very very commanding he slides on every type of production even a track like on the bugger tip uh, he's so commanding and smooth. It feels like he's the only voice you'd heard for the entire 1980s. It's just so good. He pulls everything great about contemporary MCs and delivers a flow that feels like absolute honey on this production. In the year often cited as the greatest year in hip-hop history, which I'm never going to disagree with that, 1988, like legendary albums came out. Kane came through and delivered a timeless classic that stands up with anything that dropped that year and anything that dropped that decade and anything that's ever dropped. And, you know, I do have to quickly take my hat off to Bismarcky. He saw Big Diddy, Big, Big Diddy, Big Daddy Kane for someone supremely talented beyond battle rap. He saw a music career and he introduced Kane to Marley Mole, the sole producer on this album. And whilst Marley's beats certainly aren't the thing that's aged the greatest on this album, they are high budget for the time. You know, if, you, if you're listening to a lot of music around this time, it does feel like it's lavish production. It does feel like a mainstream album. The thing I loved about this album was just purely Big Daddy. Kane. His energy was palpable. I never knew what he was going to say next. It's very jarring to hear such lyricism on top of 80s production in an 80s flow. Uh, someone I saw called him a mix of Rakim and LL. And yes, but I also think you would have to add Bismarck e in there because you can see Biz is influencing Kane's flair. Um, maybe you could add Slick Rick instead and just say, because Slick Rick's flow was insane and like he just had that energy. You know, he was engrossing, like you wanted to hear what he had to say next. The only criticism I ever read of this album was Kane's limited scope for storytelling, but he addressed that himself in an interview with OK Player. He said, I feel like on Long Live the Kane, I hadn't really seen much. I could only really talk about what I'd seen in the hood. On It's a Big Daddy thing, I had a broader spectrum. I had seen a whole lot more at that time, so I could relate to so many more people. And that interview was really wild. The interviewer goes from calling Kane rap's first true sex symbol, which is a title that he actually in the interview deflects to LL, but he does not reject sex symbol because, you know, we know that that became a huge part of his aesthetic. The next question is about coveting a battle with Cool G Rap. Now in 1988, Big Daddy Kane was a pinnacle. He was selling records to women and seeking out battles with the absolute peak of lyrical monsters. And I think that that really did highlight just the totality of Big Daddy Kane. It's like, yes, he was a sex symbol, but at the same time, he was battling the greatest battle MCs of the time and winning. Like, that's crazy to me. And, you know, I think Long Live the Kane might just be the quintessential 1980s hip-hop album, at least to me. I feel like it has every element that made the golden age so pivotal and influential. And some of the things Kane was doing on this album stretched decades forward and touched mid-2000s lyricists. His influence is very immense. 
I think it also showed the power of the Juice Crew and the power of the Posse Cut or crew in general. You know, everyone helped out. It was a true collaborative spirit. And, you know, that's something that we lost a little bit. I, I feel like the last time we really, truly got that was the Soulquarians. That's over 20 years ago now. Bro, that's 20, 23 years ago. And obviously, Native Tongues, Juice Crew, I mean, this was a very important and fruitful time. Um, according to some sources, Kane and Malimal had actually a very tense creative relationship, but one that was very fruitful. Uh, and obviously, Kane was writing for other Juice Crew MCs behind the scenes. He became a huge part of the group, and I think it was just all of talent and skill. Like that's what it was, and he carries this album so beautifully. It's it's a straight classic. Did you want to do lyrics, or you want to do them at the end? Um, yeah, we'll do it. No, it's fine. Yeah, we'll do it as we go. All right, what have you got? Uh, which one? Well, I, I, I'll give you a. I'll give you the first track. All right. I'll give you the first. track. Oh, you're giving me the first track. Oh, that's right. I forgot how we did this. I, <sighs> I'm gonna give you on the bug tip with uh, the fifth track with Scoob Lover. Scoob Lover. Scoob Lover. Outstanding. Yeah, yeah, bro, I'm just going to start off. I'm just going to start off because <laughs> Tony the Tiger, I'm great. Like, that sounds silly, I'm but great. like, that's a thing, bro. That's such a thing, man. It's such a dated first reference. Thing, bro. First thing is so good. It's I'm just great. Like, you just. It, it, and that's what that's that quintessential 80 shit that I feel like. It just has that. Um, it's obviously such a just a dated reference at this point. I don't even know if like Frosty still do Tony the Tiger ads or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's 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 so freaking good. Um, trying to trying to see what I can pick out from this. Uh... <laughs> okay, right. Uh, now Kane's the name. Uh, na- the name Kane is superior to many people. It means King Asiatic, nobody's equal. Uh. I hate to brag, but damn, I'm good. <laughs> and if and if Mike's were a gun, I'd be Clint Eastwood. It's, oh, it's just, I love it. It's just that's so e- simple. So that's good. exactly what I would have chosen, man. That's just such a great bar. Oh, it's outstanding. All right, yeah. next one. <laughs> next album. All right, it's a big daddy thing. Let's just let's just choose the songs beforehand so we can pick out our lyrics while each other yep. is talking. Uh, so yeah. what 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 album? Hang on, I've just got to get genius up. I'm I'm a bit ill prepared this morning. I'll it's give you Pippin ain't easy. I'm joking. Don't don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Um, I'll give you Young Gift and Black. I'll give you that one. Okay, classic, classic. I'm going yeah. to give you. Uh, I get the job done. I'm curious about that. That is a good one. Yeah, it's an underrated one. I think. Um, so this album is. I've kind of already ruined it but yes this this album is really genuinely ruined by pimp and ain't easy um this is one of the worst tracks uh i i've i've heard in a while it just does it just it, it oh, oh so much so much wrong with it so so much wrong with it um greg nice going one two three four to five six seven eight nine ten then you got eleven 12, 13, start your age. 14, 15, 16, the pubic stage. Like an apple, like a cherry, like a peach, like a plum. Let me get off the virgin before I come. Ah, That's let's... horrendous. Oy, oy, like that's, oy. You should open an investigation after a lyric like that. Is, that. That's, 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 yeah, that's, that's, um, 
That's half the that's half the verse, and that's it doesn't disgusting. get better. That's it disgusting. really just doesn't get better. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so grim. And then you know, Kane for his uh, for his um uh, for his credit doesn't go straight to paedophilia, um, but he instead goes, goes for homophobia. homophobia. Yeah. <laughs> he just goes to homophobia instead. So you know, just just ticking off the boxes. Um, yeah, not worst track, worst track of his uh, career, bar none. Um, and yeah, it's just not nothing, nothing. It really kills the album for me. And even the fact that, and even from a sequencing standpoint, it really does throw me off because you get that, and then afterwards it has Big Daddy Steam, which is just um, I think that's the instrumental track. So you're kind of just left with Pimpin' Ain't Easy, just still in your mind. And it doesn't really go until Warm It Up Kane. And that's one, two, three, four, five tracks later. And yeah, it just, it really just sticks there. It just sticks in your brain for a majority of the album. And it uh, just really, really kills it for me. And obviously, Warm It Up Kane near the end is just such a classic track. And um, it's just such a bang alive. Um, but fuck, it's just, oh, Man, Pimpin' Ain't Easy just sticks out so badly on this on this album, and you know, even before before that, it was pretty solid. Like you know, another victory, more combat, children of the future, young gift and black, smooth operator, of course, calling Mister Welfare with uh, cool DJ Red That's Alert, a great song. Wrath of Cain really live, Heat, yeah. I get the job done, Heat. It's just really oh, the, the album is such a. It, Starts off so well, so fucking well, and then you get Pimpin' Ain't Easy, and it's just like, no, and then nothing happens for the next few tracks. They're just like, ah, oh, they they just don't compare to like they can't they can't wash off the stench of what Pimpin' Ain't Easy just left. It's literally literally it's like it's like they, it, the song takes a shit on your a shit on your carpet, and it only takes Warm It Up came to actually get rid of it for you to actually forget it and yeah that just um really ruins the album for me personally um and i'm assuming for a lot of people but yes um past that the album is you know majority great up until pimpin ain't easy is pretty great and then i just have to kind of i kind of just sit there just thinking about how bad pimpin ain't easy was and then warm up king comes and i'm like okay i'm back and i'm just like dun 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 warming up king warming up king i'm there i'm there i'm, I'm there for it and yeah, it just it, the fact that it has to take four tracks until that particular point is um, is a very. Is, <laughs> I, I can't tell you how bad that track is, guys. I really can't. It's 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 it's, it's one of the worst of that era. I swear, man. It's just uh, it's 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 next level horrible. But um, yeah. Apart from that, great album. But yeah, Jesus Christ, that that's that's a that's an album killer if I've ever seen one. <laughs> Yeah, like, put that in the like, Hall of Fame. Stick that in the Hall of Fame of just album killers. That song, honestly, there's they, so many they, over the years. But they put some trash on those '80s albums. They eh? like some really that is up there. bad that shit. That's really up there. Yeah, that's really up there. But yeah. yes, um, yeah. do you want me to do my track or you want to talk? No, go go do your track. Have you got lyrics? Okay, so yeah, I get the job done. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's an it's an underrated one. Um, yeah, it's it's that it's uh, all produced by Teddy Riley. Didn't even know that. Okay, yeah, Big up Teddy Riley. They were um, for but yeah, a while, this yeah. is you know this is just th- that this is that love song. You know, what I mean, it's just, it's it's great. It's it's uh, 
the K N E is on the J O B and expert because I get it D O N E. It's so it's so good. Oh, here we go. Here's a perfect description of me: six foot one and dark and lovely. And if they're saying black is beautiful, it's true, not phony. I'm browner than Bobby, so you won't be so. So won't you be my tenderoni? <laughs> Tenderoni, just uh, it's just funny. It's just very weird. I, I, I appreciate it. But yeah, that's a, that's a good try, man. Yeah, yeah. I want to. Um, I mean, Young Gift and Black's a great fucking song. And like this lyric here is wild. He says, "We sample beats. You sue us and try to fight us, man. You still be home with arthritis. If we didn't revive and bring them back alive, old beats that we appreciated, you wouldn't survive. You'd be another memory to us. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Like that's such a great fucking bar, man. Because it's just like." That's actually very, very contemporary. It's very, very relevant to what we're talking about right now with sampling. And yeah, I just thought that was nice. Obviously, uh, Biz was struggling with some sample issues and that would get even more intense in the next couple of years. So I can see where that's coming from. Um, look, man, this album is, is really good. I, I I recognize how meant his debut is, but to me, this album is much more fun. I really feel like the extra creative control he had by producing the album himself, or half the album at least, I think that paid off. I don't think his experiments are always successful, but it is nice to hear him experiment. Children Are the Future, for example, that that's a Slick Rick song. <laughs> you know, that's what it sounds like to me, which is interesting because uh, Slick Rick and Big Daddy Kane had a bit of a tense incident in 1989, which is interesting. Um, during Jing Champs, Big Daddy Kane explained the stories uh, behind this, what happened. He says... Around 1988 or 1989, Big Daddy Kane and Slick Rick were co-headliners on the Public Enemy Tour. Because they were co-headliners, both rappers often rotated the prime spot before Public Enemy hit the stage. Tensions soon flared between the two, and it became apparent that Rick was arriving to the shows purposefully late as to perform after Kane. Mr. C, who was Kane's DJ at the time, confirmed the story during a 2015 interview on the Dewan Epstein podcast. Once it became clear... Kane confronted his friend about the suspicious issue. Things quickly got sour. According to C, Rick replied to Kane, fuck that, I'm slick Rick the ruler. A tussle then ensued, which culminated with Rick pulling out a small 22 caliber pistol. Fortunately, the confrontation didn't go any further. After there was any truth to the incident, Kane, following a quick laugh, replied, there might be some truth to that. Um, adding some context, he later confirmed it was about the order of the show, which is very interesting. You know, I found that very interesting. And I think Children of the Future points to a much more focused lyrical performance. I think Kane seems to look more for concept tracks on this record. He feels a little bit more laid back with the braggadocio on this record, especially because the first album, man, it is crazy. That's pretty much all it is. Don't don't get me wrong. It's, it's here as well. But I felt like he wasn't trying to prove himself as much anymore. You know that he knows and everyone knows that he's a great MC and he, he's just kind of reveling in it on this. And I, I feel like that gave him the freedom to hit a few different topical areas. Calling Mr. Welfare, which is a great fucking song, again, does kind of feel like a Slick Rick song in terms of the storytelling. And I do think that that was an element that Kane brought in on this album that wasn't necessarily on his first. And I think his ability to shapeshift song to song was so immense. And it was just incredible the way that he would synthesize other sounds and styles into his own was very adept wrath of cain live is a wild song man it, it sounds like a beatles concert but it speaks to someone that needs something sorry that needs highlighting cain's first album didn't crack the top 100 
Ain't no half step and hit 53 on the US R&B chart, but he amassed this incredibly devoted and excitable group of fans who were propelling Kane to new heights. He appeared on the Lean On Me soundtrack in 1989, and I think that spoke to you know his rising stock in the industry. He worked with Quincy Jones in 1989, appeared on two tracks on his Back to the Block album. It's a Big Daddy thing went number 33 on the Billboard 200. It charted 37 uh, in the UK, five of the six singles charted, obviously Smooth Operator. That's a Kane song, man. That's the Kane song. Went number one on the US rap chart. And it remains Kane's commercial high point, which is very interesting. I, I do want to speak about that at some point because, you know, Kane was next up. And I'll, I'll talk about that when we get into the next album. But, like, yeah, man, it, it, it was a, it's a great album. Obviously, that song is just in, unlistenable. It does not need to be talked about or listened to or... Just it just needs to be condemned. It just needs to be condemned. It is unacceptable. It's a fucking eighties album, man. They just they just threw these lead balloons on there. It's just like, what type of time were you on, bro? Just fucking holy shit. So yeah, man. But apart from that, I enjoyed the album. Outstanding. Uh, taste of chocolate. Right? Taste of chocolate. Now we're getting into some stuff. Taste of chocolate. I'm going to give you a fun one and Big Daddy versus Dolomite because that's hilarious to me. Big Daddy versus hope you Dolomite. Fa- hope, you found that funny. hope you found that funny as well because the one line is in I'm there, gonna, is <laughs> I'm just going to give you all of me featuring Barry White because, uh, bro, that's no. a wild. <laughs> Come on, man. What when you see doing? that on the track list all before you listen to it, you're like, Wait, what now? Of all the tracks to give you, yeah. man. Like, I can't, I can't get this deep. Can't get this deep, boys. Oh, <laughs> I just want to see what you find, man. I just want to see what you <sighs> find out of that. Uh, that's how I look at it. Um, yeah, Taste of Chocolate is just one that I feel like... I don't know. It feels like a, it feels like a swing for the Fences kind of album. You know, when you put Barbara Weathers and, you know, you get Rudy Raymore to do the Dolomite thing and obviously Barry White um, doing his thing, obviously. It seemed just like, all right, fuck it. Like, swing for the Fences kind of thing. I'm going for it, you know what I mean? And uh, I feel, you know, I feel in hindsight, it feels like a success to me. I feel this album is um, in some ways... um, the most refined at this point. Um, it's a tight 53 minutes, um, and you know I think the first I think the first six tracks really just go very nicely, and then you have all of me with Barry White that just slows the shit out of the album down, um, for better or worse. Um, and yeah, you know, it keeps then just keeps on going after that. You know, Mr. Pitiful, uh, aforementioned Big Daddy versus Dynamite is hilarious. Um, down the line. Uh, with Scoob Lover, Scrap Lover, Mr. C, Little Daddy Shane, and Live, really good. So yeah, it's a really, really solid album. Thirteen tracks, fifty-three minutes, and um, you know, it's not really much. Um, there's not really much uh, bomb on here. I feel, um, you know, the production's really good. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, Kane produced tracks. So that's more than half, and I feel like that needs to. This needs to be said. Not just now, for but for the entirety of the episode. So consider this just a you know ad nauseum point I'm gonna make um, without saying it several times. Uh, he produces as well, and I feel like it's pretty successful most of the time. So you know, just 
give him that respect because well, obviously we just you know see him as like you know his top tier lyricist, but the fact that he produces as well is crazy. So that's just um, that's just hella good. I'm pissed off you gave me this track. <laughs> it's just I'm just I'm just I'm reading it and I'm just like. This would be so great if I had a deep voice, <laughs> and I'm just here going. Uh, it's like voice, I know what you mean. Where's your I'll tell you, my friend. Just communicate. Come here, baby. Come bring all of you to me. It's just, I'm, I'm, what am I doing here? What you got me doing? Like this is disgraceful. I gave you a hot. I gave you a fire track for to be funny, and you give me the fucking deep two deep voice men just like just spitting riz like <laughs> it's just. It's just it's outstanding, but yes, um, I I I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know what you want me to pick out of this. I'm just, I was just curious. Even, it's, they ain't even rapping, bro. They're I just know, talking. They're just talking. I want Charlie it's, it's put on his just, sultry this voice. This is the thing. If you haven't if you haven't heard this track, they're just you're just talking and they're just like saying shit and oh, it's like mm, show you right. It's just oh, it's like all right, cool. Cool. What do you want me to say, bro? This is literally just five minutes. What is it? Like five minutes? Nearly six minutes of these dudes on the slowest <laughs> beat imaginable. That's just funny. fucking waxing lyrical in your ear. It's just like, fuck, bro. So take that as take that as my example, bro. Because, yeah. Can't believe you got me doing that. I just love it, man. You know, BW, I've heard it said the woman is a man's greatest <laughs> gift. <laughs> <laughs> and success ain't God nothing damn. unless you have someone to share it with. Like, oh, it's just bro. so, like... Oh, man, Relax. I love it, bro. I love it. I love it. All right, bro. I mean, you gave me you gave me a banger. You gave me an absolute banger. I'm going to say Kane's first verse. He just raps. Well, you ain't saying nothing slick to a can of oil. I walked barefoot from New York to Dallas. One pimp of the year at the Caesars Palace. Made a big snowstorm on the 4th of July and drunk the waters in the Atlantic Ocean till shit was dry. I was making money before Washington was put on a bill. And I kicked Jack's ass and took his hoe jill. I'm the one who broke the bull's back and made people say, fuck McDonald's, call me the Big Mac. Be the Big Mac. (laughs) Bro, you know that he pulled some of that shit out in a battle somewhere and everyone just lost their... They just got... Oh my gosh! Honestly, bro, that's a, that's just it's like yeah, it's just rap battle shit. It's fucking yeah, great. I love it. So good, man. It's so good. Taste of chocolate. Taste chocolate. It's a sonic left turn, but it does make sense if we deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Why am I so, bro? I need to get some sleep. Deep dive, dive deep into the context of the album. Uh, if we look at the landscape, right? So Rakim had changed the way everyone flowed. Kane to me was on Rakim's level lyrically and technically. I think he was a pioneer himself, right? Slick Rick had to redefine the way that we incorporated storytelling into rap. I think Kane's not as good as Slick Rick in that area, but he can definitely do it. MC Hammer had become the ultimate rap performer at this point, and that's very important in this. And LL showed that you could appeal to women and men at the same time. So three years before Snoop, in a post-LL Cool J world, and you know what I mean by that, his third album was heavily criticized and he lost his momentum. The stage was set for a rapper like Big Daddy Kane to take that title as the biggest rapper in the game. Complex actually named him as the best rapper alive for 1989 for It's a Big Daddy thing, but there was potential for Kane to explode to even higher heights on his third album. You've got to remember, Smooth Operator went number one on the rap chart. Okay, he was at the peak just because his album only went 33 on the Billboard 200. Rap albums weren't charting that high back then. 
In the book Going Off, The Story of the Juice Crew and Cold Chillin' Records, Big Daddy Kane said, I wanted commercial success. I just didn't want to sell out to get it. So he and the label were on the same page in that regard. Benny Medina, who was an A&R at Motown and Vice, uh, president of Warner's Urban Music Arm, a terrible name, Urban Music Arm, uh, he saw Kane as Warner's version of MC Hammer. So they pushed him towards R&B, which makes sense when you think about the success of Smooth Operator, which went number one. Very mellow track. Kane even opens with the bar, excuse me, take a few minutes to mellow out. So I guess that they were thinking that this was the direction he needed to go for more success. And that's exactly what they did on Taste of Chocolate. Um, and you know, mellowed the fuck out. Like, Kane showed a side of his artistry that I think is very underrated. I think he is a true rap chameleon. He can rap on any beat, any topic, any vibe, any genre. And you know what? That inspired the question I asked the other day on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Who is the most versatile rapper of all time? I'm not going to say it's Kane, but certainly Kane proved himself to be incredibly versatile. He he can just hit everything, man. He's a quintessential MC is what I'm saying. You know, storytelling, love songs, R&B crossovers, hardcore rap takedowns, iconic bars. Kane was the first MC, in my view, in the mainstream who could do everything. It's something we praise Biggie for, for example. You know, sounding hardcore over R&B beats. But Kane did it four years earlier. Like, it's, it's crazy to me. Quincy Jones said in an interview that he saw Kane as a true superstar, someone who could do anything, and he proved it on this record to me. Of course, the label branding came next. Jeff said in uh, the book of that I uh, quoted earlier that Kane was meant to be hard for the fellas but soft for the ladies, which sounds about as cringe as anything ever said in human history. Like, imagine describing yourself that, well, I'm hard for the fellas, but I'm soft for the ladies, you know? And, you know, I think that it turned this album into a bit of a mess. I love the album. But I've said many times on this pod, I like to hear rappers experiment and try different sounds. And I think that Kane is so adept that he brings that 1980s battle rap credibility to a wild range of production. And I can't hate on it. I'm entertained by it. But I do understand why this album was not well received and it did not do well commercially. And I do, it, it makes me a bit sad. It's, it's, you know, we, we've spoken so many times on this pod about label albums and albums that labels wanted rappers to create. And a lot of the time those albums were shit or they made the artist like leave the entire major label system or like probably most likely what has been happening is the album gets shelved because the artist is just like, I'm not good at this. I don't want to do this. And the album doesn't come out. But I think with this, Kane showed that even if he did exactly what the label wanted him to do, he could still create something great. I just don't think it's on the level of his uh, his previous two records. But yeah, I enjoyed the listen. It was just quite jarring to hear it. Fair enough. I felt, um, I was wondering kind of, I was wondering that when it came to Prince of Darkness, to be fair, because yeah. I saw that was just um, critically not not well received. And yeah. I, was, uh, I was interested in listening to it because it felt like that, it felt like that out al- an album that just um on the face of it was just like okay this is this is the bad one in the middle um like something similar to what you're talking about with LL Cool J right <clears throat> when you yeah. had an album that just didn't go well and he was like oh shit if I lost it you know what I mean 
It was walking um, with a panther, right? That was the one that was not. Was that? The yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, and I, I, I like, I liked it. I didn't, I didn't really get why people didn't like it. I never look. Um, I don't get what that whole thing was. Just the off tangent. I like that album. I never really understood it, but people always talk. about We need to talk to Dart Adams. We need to get Dart Adams on the phone. He knows what's going on because I don't understand it. I like that album, but anyway. Fair enough, but yeah, Prince and Darkness anyway. This is on the cusp of uh, of ninety two and uh, October ninety one. Um, <clears throat> I'll give you brother brother for this one. Um, I'm gonna give you a square up. I'm gonna give you come on down with Q Tip and Buster Rhymes. I think that's that's fair. Thank you. I'll have to give me fucking Barry Wyatt next. I'm not gonna give you any more Barry Wyatt. That's yeah. <clears throat> there is no more Barry Wyatt, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, I feel like this album is fine. Um, you know, I don't feel like it was worth the you know two C plus by Entertainment Weekly or three stars from the source um, or two stars from the Encyclopedia of Popular Music. Okay, um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, did, I've never heard of that, but, but until until now. But yeah, I feel like it was an okay album. I think the problem with it that I think people saw with it um, was that it was just um, it leaned too far to the R and B side. Um, there are this is probably the most uh, R and B leaning um, album that uh, this uh, in his career so far. And obviously he had like uh, it's probably the numbers have probably risen as time goes, um, but yeah, I think at this point it just got to you know just uh, a bit too much of it maybe. Um, the tracks themselves ain't bad. I don't I don't see I don't I'm not seeing any of these track names. I'm just like oh yeah that was terrible. Um, maybe maybe a length issue. Um, I'm not ashamed being six minutes and twenty six seconds or groove with it being five minutes maybe shouldn't have but yeah apart from that i don't really have much beef with the album um is his best album no but it's not a bad album by any means um i mean with that said i may i guess c plus for meditating weekly ain't too bad of a ain't too bad of a grade because it is just you know it's 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 not it's not mid but it's just above mid you know what i mean it's got some it's got some solid ones in there um you know raw 91 come coming back with that and i, f- I like the production on that one uh, come on down, which you've obviously given me here uh, with Q-Tip and Buster Rhymes is is top tier. Um, I like Ooh Na Na Na, but um, I can see, I can imagine people not liking that. But I, I like it. I think it's fun uh, to listen to. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, so it's a it's a good track. It's a good track. All right, let me let me look up these. I mean, there we go. Easy, easy start. Literally the start of this shit. When I'm in motion, it's just like the flow of the ocean. The weight of the words swerve and curve. My style flexes bigger than the state of Texas. Quick as a Lamborghini, smooth as a Lexus. I guess that makes me top of the line. Oh yes, I'm the most prime of all time. Outstanding. Just it's easy, bro. The weight, oh, these flex bars are just so easy. It's so it just comes off. I, 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 it can, you, people can say like, oh, simple. It's like oh, like a simile rap, simile rap. I was like. And it's fucking good simile rap. I don't know what to tell you. It's, 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 it's just fun, man. It's, it's just fun to listen to. So, yeah. Um, top tier one. Um, I do like... I like Buster Rhymes. I like early Buster Rhymes, honestly, man. Like, he just yeah, sounds same, so... Right. Sounds good. He just sounds so freaking good, man. As you yeah. feel the pain. Bass kick impacts to the brain. Got a mega, mega migraine. What up to the big daddy and tip? My trip flipped the rhyme. Then I dip. So good, man. It's just... Top tier, man. top tier, top tier. Um, yeah, brother, brother, man. This is a, this is a good track. 
So I like this because it's just like, you know, four bars are going back and forth. Yeah, he it's says, just trade Mike Traden. It's yeah. great. I love those he tracks. Says, I love Mike Traden. Uh, yeah, you Styles PJ to kiss, man. Styles PJ to kiss. He says, now I must admit that I'm a sensitive guy because I cried on Cooley High when Cochise died. But then again, at times I may be a mean fellow because I didn't give a damn about the dog Old Yeller. <laughs> like, I think it's meant to be fella, Old Yeller. But like, that's, that's yeah, man, I love that. I, it's just the, the whole song is like that. He just says wild, wild shit on here. I, I, I love it, man. This album is interesting. Um... Much maligned, much maligned. I do understand the criticism. Um, I think all you have to do, okay, this is for me. I don't know how other people felt about this, but for me, all you have to do is skip straight to Come On Down, Bar Fest, Buster Rhymes Q-Tip, one of the true hip-hop hidden gens, hearing all three of them in a joint in 91. That's amazing, and they all go wild. And, you know, the rap fan in me just says, this is his best track of the 90s, just because I'm excited. I want to hear Big Daddy Kane rapping next to actual lyrical legends. And even though Kane sounds ridiculously comfortable next to legendary MCs, that doesn't sound like, doesn't feel like his signature sound. And I think that highlights how far he'd strayed from the mid 80s sound that put him on. Prince of Darkness was criticized for chasing chart success, but Kane has been transparent about that, as he may well be. Like, he's allowed to be transparent. He wanted to be successful. There's no point looking back on 80s and early 90s rappers negatively because they wanted to sell records because we accept it wholeheartedly of every other era it's almost like we expect golden age rappers to have less trust in the mainstream but they would have more trust in the mainstream because they they don't know what had happened like everything that happened after 1992 in the mainstream and you see the way major labels were fucking artists you can understand why someone without that knowledge and understanding would be like okay i'm going to create a major label album because i want to sell records I think Prince of Darkness is, it's the product of a grasp for chart success. And for that reason, it is a mess. I like it because it's Kane doing a bunch of wild styles, wild beats. So many samples he brought to the surface on this album that were regurgitated throughout the 90s. But I don't see Big Daddy Kane in the mix as much. And I think that's the difficulty with these last two records. I kind of lost sight of who Kane was through this. I knew what he was capable of, but had no real concept of what kind of music he wanted to make. He does have a lot of production on this record, so he was very involved with the sonic direction, but I think his next album is proof of how lost he really was on this record. To me, this album is one of the first examples of what I now call label albums. We talked about it with Coyle Ray's label album a few weeks ago. They did it with Five Year Foreign. They do it all the time, and pretty much every new female rapper that gets signed. It's just a collection of all the hottest sounds right now, in the hopes you might pop up on as many different playlists as possible. It's an album of singles, and they're all designed to hit a different demographic, and that's how I felt with Prince of Darkness. Every song felt like it was trying to capture a different audience and for that it's a mess and I, I like it a bit more than taste of chocolate but I, I do think it's a bit of a mess and I think that's why people were frustrated because you know they saw Kane as one of the like pivotal MCs of the 80s and he just you know he got a bit lost throughout this and this is not limited to Kane this happens all the time I mean, look at Buster Rhymes in the mid 2000s I love those albums but those are major label albums. He was, you know, it was a million dollar video in there somewhere. Like he was trying to hit the mainstream. So yeah, look, I like the album, but I, I I understand the criticism. In hindsight, it's difficult for us to be like, oh yeah, that criticism makes perfect sense because, you know, we've seen everything. We know the landscape, but yeah, man, it's, um, I enjoyed it, but yeah. And then we get the next three, which are very interesting albums. It looks like a job four is the first one. 
so uh, you, you kind of gave away the ghost there. You don't like it looks like a job for? That's interesting. No, I do. Why wouldn't I like it? Uh, okay, you, uh, you said you said something, you said something along the lines of you know it's like kind of uh, starting to do that label album thing. So no, I think I think this is actually personally I think that's where it ends. I think Prince of Darkness is where the label album kind of ended, okay. and now I think it gets a little okay. bit more. I feel like he's more focused on these next three. You know, definitely, definitely, I agree. I agree. Um, I'll give you rest in peace on this uh, on the track tip. Um, okay. Um, I'm going to give you how you get a record deal. <laughs> yeah. uh, and could you say that? Because, ladies and gentlemen, we have it. Three Trackmaster credits. Yeah. I'm going to say some shit today that you're going to call me the biggest fucking hypocrite forever. But, like, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. There's some Trackmasters on here. Okay. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoy this album. Um, I think Very Special is his best R&B track. Um, I just... Laree Williams and Karen Anderson on there just go off on the on that hook. It is crazy, powerful, really enjoy that. Um, especially when they're like... Uh, they're doing that. They're doing a thing at the end. And it's like... And it's like... It's going on for a bit long. And then one of them just goes... <laughs> at the end of it. I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Oh, it really made me laugh for some reason. I was like, "What?" That was, that was, that was cool. And obviously, Spinderella um, bringing up, um, uh, bringing up uh, Pimpin, uh, Pimpin ain't easy, which is good. Um, glad uh, there was some form of uh, repentance uh, from from Kane on there mm-hmm. on that track as well, which is another reason why I like it. Um, he just agrees that was not a good track, um, not good at all. Um, but yeah, uh, I think yeah, I feel like this track is um, this album's just uh, really just uh, a good return to form. Um, you know, a few, again, a few um, more less of less of him producing. You know, he's on Prelude, Beef is on, uh, very special actually, which is very impressive that he did that. Um, but you also have Mr. C, Easy Mo B. Um, Hank Shockley, G Wiz, Gary G Wiz, uh, Large Professor on Niggas Level Um, and also aforementioned Trackmasters um, on the first three tracks. And um, yeah, man, I really enjoy this track. I feel that the I like these. I like this little universe that Kane has with his features, having Scoob Lover, Scrap Lover, Little Daddy Shane in the in this stretch of albums. I'm I, I'm I'm here for that. You know what I mean? In this in in the opposite way of um, not enjoying whenever the outlaws came out came up on a two pack track. I was just like, oh god, not again. You know, what I mean, it's just it is different here, and uh, I enjoy it whenever they come up on it. Um, especially just because, um, especially I think, I think it's Scoob Lover with the really bright voice, and it's just it just contrasts so f- uh, kind of hilariously with Kane. Um, but yeah, it works. I like it. Enough respect, which is on the soundtrack for Juice, the film. Um, classic track, banger, um, very, um, very in the realm of um, you know, set it off and uh, um, and uh, the other one, fucking hell, what's the other one? <laughs> Warm up, Kane. There you go. Um, yeah, in in that realm, I feel enough respect is, and uh, I'm here for that track all day. Um, but yeah, really good album, really re- good return to form. As I look at these, uh, I'm trying not to just go basic to like the first verse so i'm just trying to like search up just like maybe second maybe third i'm trying to like just find just find some good stuff 
I mean, I like this um, body count mention. Shout out to Ice T. Um, I didn't even, you know, what I mean, just thought it's just one of those things. I just didn't even clock that. Like, like Shell Toe Adidas, uh, ain't a damn thing changed. The way I shoot off lyrics like a firing range. Break out on a cold sweat, the death threat. Get more props than the movie set. <laughs> this move microphone assassin, Ryan keeps blasting. Uh, I keep the body count massive. But if you say you increase the body count troop, you must admit that you enjoyed Ice T's group. Love that. Love love that little mention. So yeah, man. Just love just love those little mentions of, of other things, you know what I mean? Tony the Tiger God, Ice T body count. It's just the the reference game is just elite. I just love it. Yeah, man. I mean, this track that you've given me, I could I could read the entire thing. Like, I really could. It's just it's unbelievable. So I'm gonna read how it ends. Because it's just a, it's a battle rap track. It's just straight up battle rap. At one point he says, when you're messing with me, you know what? You can swallow a live grenade and you still won't blow up. Like, bro, <laughs> why is that imagery? And so he ends Ew. it with, but if you think the cane and scoob and scrap will break up, I'll tell you like Marvin Gaye, wake up, wake up. Put it to rest. It's best to fess because Kane is breaking rappers like the IRS. That's <sighs> just like... <laughs> Man, this Ooh. man is a genius. <laughs> He's just coming just up with the shit. Word, the, the, the bars, the, word, the lyrics. Are just the, like, bars, oh. the bars, the oh. bars. They're single bars. This is just little couplets, little couplets, proper couplets. This is this lyricism. So anyway, this is the album, man. Like This album actually charted higher than his last. When you consider the Sonic Direction, I think that's a bit weird because this is not a mainstream chasing record. This, to me, felt like a true Big Daddy Kane record. There was no overblown intro, just boom bap and a fuckload of bars, a lot of solid guests, a couple of R&B touches to, to satisfy that side of his fan base because, you know, I never am ever going to say that the previous two albums were albums that Kane wouldn't have made. I mean, they were sounds that he had on his first two records and they were sounds that blew up. So it was very true to him. It's just It just felt like a mess. But on here... You know, this this was it, man. Some of these beats would hit in 2023. Like, give it to me. I'd love to hear a modern under, underground rapper on. How You Get a Record Deal, that is such a classic song. It's mournful, but this insistent beat with Kane just laying lyrical waste over the top of it. A wild flow, incredible song. And another example of his range. He's spitting some hard-edged lyrics, but he's flowing like honey over these really difficult beats. And, you know, this is why people have Kane in their top five. On this record, I definitely felt like he reached back into his first two records in his battle rap era. And as Charlie said, we see some track masters on here. They produced the first two tracks. You have to admit, how you get a record deal might be one of the best beats in 93, at least on the East Coast. It's a stunning soundscape. I'm not going to take all I say back about Trackmasters, but <laughs> they skated. They laced him up, and this album is amazing. It really is. I, I enjoyed it immensely. Briefly, I want to go back to Prince of Darkness because I just remembered a line from there, and it made me just, oh, my gosh, it's just like crazy. Um, <clears throat> On your bodily passes, I proceed to jump your bones and put your feet up here, my dear. So I can lick upon your toes until your Revlon disappear. Yeah, that's that's graphic. That's where it's at. <laughs> that's, that's I mean, it happens. As as then as card carrying as card carrying members of the EBS, the Eatbox Society. Oh yeah. The uh, the NP uh, the NPA the Nyampum Association. Um, I am not a member of the Suck Toes Initiative. Okay, oh. I'm just not. <laughs> 
Oh, that's disappointing. Not my stinging skis. Can't you're do that. You're sucking them toes, bro. Until your Revlon disappeared. That get is... in your mouth. Oh, yoy, yoy. In that's your mouth. graphic. Get your tongues between the toes I'm and that not... little bit there. You just <laughs> lick the arch. you got to lick the arch. Give the arch a good... A good... Stop, stop. Ain't no way. Get amongst Ain't it, no Charlie. Get amongst Ben's it. Ben's a freak low-key, isn't it? <laughs> There's a low-key freak. I respect it, but no, not for me. Not for me, geezer. All right. Daddy's home. Okay. I just I just remember that, and I need to go back to remember that, because I was just like, I need to. I need to reference this. Um, do I give you show and prove just to, just to stroke? Just to... Yeah, all right. I'll give I'd, you show I'd and really prove. appreciate it if you gave me show and prove, because that's, that's... I'll give you show and prove. It's fine. Okay. I'll give I'm you gonna show and solid. I'm going to give you... Uh... The way it's going down. Okay. Interesting. I'm interested. Um, I wanna, yeah, I'm interested I didn't to think see what you come up. This is one of the... See, this is, this is how I think subversive Kane is to me. Because I genuinely thought just... For whatever reason, right? I was just like, last two albums, there's a reason why he stopped. You know what I mean? There's, it has to be a reason. What is the reason? Did the two, last two albums, were they just ass? Because nobody mentions Daddy's Home to me. Nobody's mentioned Veterans Day to me. You know what I mean? It's just, no no one's ever mentioned this. So I'm just like, okay, they must be cheeks. You know what I mean? They must be cheeks in some way, or just like, not even that, just something that, you know, just watching somebody, you know, get left behind, so to speak. You know what I mean? Because we'll say, you know, he doesn't crack the 2000s. This is Daddy's Home's 94... Like, these albums come so thick and fast. Wow, that's a way of wording it. Say that out of context. Um, 88, 89, 90, 91, 93, 94, 98. That's really... That's that's really compact. That's a 10-year um, period, bro. That's all it is. 10 years. That's, that's so compact. All of this in 10 years is so compact. And it's very impressive. Um, obviously, Show and Prove is a go-to track. Um Especially if you don't actually look up who's on it, um, it surprises the hell out of it's you. It's surprising um, right? when you get into it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy because I saw it. I saw it. I didn't look like, it up. Wait, what? Yeah, I saw it. I didn't look it up. DJ Premier beat, by the way, um, and and you're just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Oh, shit. It's just it's, it's just like okay, raw. That's that's fire. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll fuck with it. And then lyrical gymnastics right after that, and he's mm. just. Literally just lyrical gymnastics. He's just he's. It seems so easy when he does it. It's so yeah. oh, it's so. I envy it honestly. I'm just like look at. I'm re- I'm listening to him do it's it, effortless. and it just sounds so so calm, so, so collected. Calm. And he's just yeah. uh, he's just throwing out bars like it's nothing, and it doesn't really stop. Honestly, on this album, I don't think it stops. It just gets. It just keeps that keeps that solid um, level. Um, you know, you have a. F- Three forties and a bottle of Moet, um, in the middle, kind of just to break things, break things up a little bit. Um, sex according to Prince of Darkness, yeah, well, I was, I was kind of, um, especially when you had, you know, show and prove, then lyrical gymnastics, and then that's how I did them. Um, having sex according to Prince of Darkness in there just felt a bit disjointed. Um, and then way it's going down, uh, and then just like WGO. NRS, which is just a top tier track, love that track. <clears throat> Has that little Marvin Gaye sample at the start of it. Oh, love it to death. Um, and yeah, man, just yeah. Really, again, I just thought this 
know, just nobody talks about it. I thought this would be this would be it's gonna be one of those albums that just like you know, oh they're lacking, and you know this did lack in sales, so maybe this was just a maybe this was just a, a thing where people just stop listening to big BDK for whatever reason. I don't get it. I never understand. I've never understand that. Um, but yeah, it's just a it's just a really <laughs> really freaking good uh, really freaking good album man it's just it's just, again just such good here we go right so um, ben gave me the way it's going down this third verse is so crazy i'm just read. i'm just skim reading it and i'm like fuck i could do that could do that could do that i i i can't do the when he does like the b-i-g-b-i-g-d-d-d-a-d-d-y i hate when he spells it out because i can't i can't phonetically do it myself for some reason he goes on this one <clears throat> just to fuck with me the b-i-g-d-a-d-y no back up and add another d stop throwing me off <laughs> like i wouldn't have noticed if he just said one d you know what i mean i just wouldn't have noticed then back to the k to the a to the a to the end and the e Life from New York, the one and only i'll give it to you or for my homies and uh to the ladies uh, take them looking. Uh, take them looking something fine. Don't mind if we bump a grind. If you with me, jump in line because if I, uh, in, if in my wallet, I can find one prophylactic, then you better believe, girl, that you're gonna get your ass <laughs> Oh, I mean, hey man, that sounds like something from a game track. So you know, I'll, I'll take it. So you know, here's what it is. There you go. Uh, full circle. Hard t- hard type of rappers extinct like dinosaur. The kind you saw the rhyme before, but now you never find no more. Mmm, <sighs> just those two. Mmm, top tier. Step into the cane with some drama to be starting, because I put them all on ice like Tonya Harding. Fuck. Just these two, just these two hits, you know what I mean? It's like boom, boom. It's like a joke, but it's like a set up punchline. It's like, it's crazy. Um, it's like, it's like, a, it's like one of those one-liner comedians. I don't know if you like know Tim Vine. Top tier. Every time I listen, uh, every time I hear a Tim Vine joke, I'm there because it's just so. It's just OP one liner, one liner. OP, OP. Every time, just makes you laugh. Backup boy, I got the whole convoy. Rolling with, uh, rolling with me on a mission that's to seek and destroy. So to all the people that's been trying to talk about me, you better change your name to Five Thousand because you're Aldi. <laughs> yeah, I like that line. I remember that hit, and I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <sighs> Nice. Oh gosh, I adore it. I adore but that's it so the thing, much. man. This, like, bro, the, the two lines. That it just it, all he needs is two lines. He needs all a he couplet, needs. and he'll say something. All he crazy. needs, man. Like, couplet king, <laughs> bro. And he start like he starts his show and prove verse with. Now tell me who's a man with a high potent lyrics no rapper can ever stand and step into me thinking I can be touched. Not even Michael Jordan will gamble that much. Like. <laughs> Timely reference as well, just of the time, perfect. Love you just it. want to be like, and there it is, <laughs> and there it is, like, and that you know what? That's hard to do. These couplets, these one-liners, they can fall flat. We listen to Eminem, not post Kamikaze, but they it can be disgustingly bad. But Big Daddy Kane never fucking misses. So Daddy's home. Obviously, it's got one of the wildest songs in hip hop history. Here's is one of the you know live at the barbecue. Show and proof, you know, that's what people talk about. So we've got Scoob, Source Money, Shaheem, Big Daddy Kane, Jay-Z, and I personally have not listened to this song in a very long time. I completely forgot ODB at the end of it. So I'm listening, and I'm listening to Hove's verse, and he says, now it's on to you, Ace. And I'm like, wait, what? What did he just say? Like, holy shit, are you kidding me? Like, we literally have... So Ace, if you're down with the groove, why don't you get on the mic and show and prove from Jay-Z? It's like... 
To me, that's an example of Kane's stature in the game at that point. Jay-Z calls his time with Big, Big Daddy Kane his rap college years. Jay-Z would sleep on Kane's tour bus. He would open up for him at shows. Big Daddy Kane was on his sixth studio album at this point. He was an icon already. Show and Prove is ODB's first ever guest appearance. First ever guest appearance, obviously outside of Wu. Shaheem skated. Source Money had, you know, he'd only done a single other mainstream feature before this track. And again, if you don't know Source Money, you need, we should do a Source Money episode because I, I don't know heaps about him except that he just pops up on verses randomly and destroys everyone and then just, you know, so I, I, I wouldn't mind doing an episode on him one day. But like to me, this album is amazing. Um, I'll admit before this episode, I didn't know all that much about you know, post 1990s Kane, really. Um, and it was kind of the same as my Ghostface blind spot. You know, I had a blind spot with Ghostface for a long time. But as soon as I started listening to his albums, I could not help but love everything he dropped. It didn't matter if the album was shit. I wanted to hear what he had to say. And I'm the same with Kane. He's a vigor invigorating MC in the same way that I love every Nas project, for example, because I never know what he's going to say next, what knowledge is about to drop, or what new perspective is about to offer, or what new way he's going to say something he said before. I never know what Kane's going to do. I never know when he's going to throw a wild couplet in there, a wild reference, or like just something crazy. What flow, what content, what genre, what style, what vocal tone. It's just fucking amazing. Like the BPM change between lyrics gymnastics and that's how I did them. That's insane. Kane is an entirely different MC on one track to the next, but it's still Kane. He's, you know, I, I want to ask this question. I don't know how to word it properly on Twitter, but like what rapper is just peaked in every category? Like, you know, you're playing FIFA and they're just a hundred. They're a hundred across the board. You know, they're just fucking a hundred everywhere. Like that to me is Kane. I, I don't see any any negative in him. You know, the next track after those two is Sex According to Prince of Darkness. which is a straight up R&B track. Kane even elongates his syllables into this like sing-song flow. This is after he's just laid lyrical ways to everyone. And then two songs later, he's doing that. I mean, he's what Drake wishes he could be. Like he's just fucking amazing. Like he does everything. Ooh. And Talk about it's a it. great fucking album, bro. It's a great album. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Love that. Um, yeah, finish off with Veterans Day. Veterans Again, Day. Just before it be mid, why not mid? <laughs> no. Just, he just, he's, just, he's just barring until just the council. He just keeps on home, man. going, man. He just keeps going. Keeps barring. Just it's keeps barring. Crazy. Um, let's give you... Uh, oh, got a couple of options here. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you shame. Yeah, I'm gonna give you shame. Shame is a good okay. track. I like shame. I'm gonna give you La La Land because it's easy mo B, and I just yeah, I like that song, man. I'm just curious. I'm curious. Can't. There's some wild lines um, on here. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a um, this is an album that I feel is a kind of unfortunate finish, if anything. It kind of feels like. Yeah. Damn, this is the last one. You know yeah. what I mean? One of those kind of things. It doesn't exactly. feel final at all. Um, I think he really tries something here. Obviously, with the with the ton of interludes um, within the album, uh, and I'm I'm kind of in the middle with them. You know, obviously, you know, Fish Tan Dory. I wasn't really into as an as a interlude. I was just like, what's what, what are we doing here? Um, so yeah, some of them here, some of them didn't. Um, some of them I just felt like skipping, to be honest. But 
you know, songs, and that's this is how how it, how it goes with interludes. You know, some albums is you know some albums really hit with the interludes, and you can't you can't skip it. It's it's important, and then you know you have some here where I'm just like, you know, I'm I can I can do without. I'm fine, thank you. That's that's cool. Just give me the songs. Um, but yeah, you know, past that, um, we've got some good stuff here. Earth, Wind, and Fire with Shark Queen and uh, AB Money, top tier. Love that track. It's probably my favorite out of the bunch. Um, changes game enterprising. I really like enterprising just from a, um, you know, he's obviously you mentioned show improve and the fact that he put on basically people that weren't even put on yet, and um, enterprising has just this very, um, very reflective way of thinking. Uh, where you know he kind of starts off by mentioning just you know his peers, and you know, kind of half like a shout-out album, a uh, shout-out song in some ways, um, but yeah, and then he just gets into it as well, and this is great, um, but yeah, I think the, I think the interludes were kind of a, kind of a letdown, um, you know, some, some people can do it, some people can't, um, I would have preferred not to have them on here, and, uh, yeah, it just seems, it just, yeah, it just seems like a really, it's, it's a bit of a sweet album in some ways, because I'm just like, damn, this is the last one, and, it's not. It's not as. Uh, it's not to the heights of. Uh, seems like a job for or. Um, or obviously, long live the cane. Right. Um, there's some good stuff on here. Um, as we will um, highlight. Uh, I've got la la la. Don't I? So let me try and find something there. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a really. It's it's solid, man. It's solid. I can't I can't really complain about it. I just feel like it's bittersweet. I feel like there's. You know, I listened to him on you know a day at the races with Jurassic Five, and I was like in what 2005, 2006. Um, and you know, he was borrowing on that, and you know he's been on features here and there. He actually was on a feature with um, he had he was on a feature of a uh, Rhapsody track from like I think it was like a Return of the Bee Girl. So that was like a mixtape from like 2010 or some shit. So, bruv, he, you know he's he's and that was great. <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy that Rhapsody had that kind of a feature of that earlier time in her career. Um, I didn't actually know that track existed. Um, but yeah, it's just um. It's just crazy. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Look at this shit. I love this shit so much. You just, you just see the, you just see the, like the punchline. You're just like, fuck, man. This is so funny. On stage at arenas or a show in the park, I shine so bright, my black ass glow in the dark. <laughs> if you're ready or not, if you're pretty, if you're petty or not, if you, I think I said men say pretty or hot. Um, here comes the reign of Cain, about to get in your spot. Your tough talk's monotonous, but whereas I be dropping this, lyrical apocalypse all through your metropolis. Just great. Outstanding. Simple, man. Simple. I don't know. He just does it with such ease. It's, it's perfect, man. It's just so perfect. Now, what are you going to do when Black Caesar comes to surface? My purpose is making uh, making sure you bless me right so I can climb aboard that money train with Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Yeah, he does reference Wesley Snipes a lot on this album. Actually, it's interesting. Oh, yeah, the Wesley Snipes. Reference. I love a I love a '90s Wesley Snipes reference because it's literally the exact same reference, and everyone's making the same joke. It's just kind of funny how everyone just makes the same joke. Uh, Wesley taxes. Uh, it's, it's funny. Yeah, man. I mean, look, shame. Shame's a lot more intricate. Um, and this is this is the other side. Again. I'm glad you picked Shame because this is the other side of Kane. I mean, it's not the other side. There's many sides of Kane, but this I'm gonna like. This is obviously about record labels, record deals, and you know that kind of bleeds into what I'm gonna say about the record. But he says he opens. This is a bit of a long quote. 
There's no myth or fable about the pimping at your label. What goes on under the table? Why do you think your deal is so unstable? Now, who's the macaroni? A&R's acting phony. Once you make the matrimony, then he start to slacken, don't he? Or it could be the president that's being hesitant, playing his artist like a corner working specimen. And I ain't kidding you when I say it's political, the way they make a ridicule of artists can be pitiful. You know damn well there should be no company CO trying to show me about rap that's 53 or so. But yet, and they still want to add advice, trying to keep their status right when they should be working records for Gladys Knight. <laughs> Like, bro, he's just that's on, that's on the level. That's on the level of like a tribe's uh, show business, where yes. they just where they're just dropping jewels on like this is how it really is. I yep. I love those tracks so much. They're great, and that's that's I think that's the point of this record. Um, it 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 does feel like a fitting album for Kane to pause on because I'm just gonna say pause because I really hope that it's just the pause. But the pause is stretched on for nearly 26 years, so it's a long fucking time. <laughs> But, you know, like Slick Rick and a few of the iconic 80s and 90s MCs, we've waited a long fucking time for another solo project. I feel like it is a fitting send-off, not because it's incredible or experimental or challenging, because it's a great summing up of Kane's sound up until 1998. He produces all but two of the songs himself, and I feel like you can hear that. I actually think it found, it sounds really good when you spin it for the first time in 2024 because to me it does sound like a very early 90s tape, but it did drop in 98. You know, at mm. this point... And if we're going to talk about what actually happened to Kane, at this point, Timbaland and Missy Elliott exist in 1998. Like, it's it's just, you know, it's it's a different sound by this time. And, you know, I guess it would have sounded a bit absurd when it came out in 98. You would have been like, oh, this is exciting. And he does, it's, it's not contemporary to the sound. But again, I was criticizing him, for, not criticizing him, but I, I think he was criticized for doing that in the early 90s when he tried to stay contemporary and people didn't like it. So now he's just like, but the criticism around this album at the time when people wrote about it was exclusively around the production choices, exclusively. Like all the criticism I've read with people like the production is, is not very good on this this project. Kane is amazing. Production's not that great. and But I think it touches every point of Kane's career because there's stripped back 80s beats, there's boom bap, there's R&B, there's some dance. It has everything. And in the center is Kane. And he sounds more commanding on this album than any of his previous ones. To me, he sounds more venomous, more angry. He was only 30 when this album dropped, by the way. He was 30 years old. He was not old, man. He was very, very young when this album dropped. But it felt to me like he was moving into obscurity. The album didn't even chart on the Billboard 200. It actually features no big-name guests for the first time in his entire career. And then he dipped, and he popped up occasionally on tracks and in videos. But it's it's been a very quiet exit from the limelight. And I do wonder if Kane lost sight of the mainstream sound so much that he lost motivation to continue, because he did mention he sought commercial success. And I just think he chased the wrong trend at that point, or potentially he was too inconsistent in his sound. For an artist who is regularly spoken about as a top 10 M- MC all time, top five, as Charlie's got him, um, all of his commercial success actually came on the singles charts. So he had eight top 10 songs on the US rap chart, including obviously a number one with Smooth Operator. 12 times he charted on the US R&B singles chart. Very Special was his only charting track on the Hot 100, but he did chart in the UK multiple times. But in comparison, he's never had a number one album on the US R&B hip hop albums chart. And his highest position on the Billboard 200 is number 33. So to, 
to me that says you're a singles artist, but the successful singles were often crossover hits that touched both the R&B and rap charts. Like Smooth Operator was simultaneously his highest charting song on the US rap songs and the US R&B songs chart. Now, I don't think he needed an album that tried to appeal to everyone. I feel like he needed an album that stuck to a lane and kind of built a fan base around it. And it's just, it's just me speculating, you know. I just it's it's curious to me his lack of commercial success. It's perplexing because to me his music was incredible, whatever genre he tried, and it all worked. So yeah, it's just an interesting, it's a very interesting career, very, very interesting, because very often, if we're talking about top tier MCs, we're not talking about the ones whose singles are blowing up, we're talking about artists who are just making like incredible albums and incredible bodies of work. And Kane did that with his first two albums, but he never really backed it up. And you know, obviously the last three, we really fucking enjoy, and they're great albums. But yeah, it's just I don't know, man. And as I said earlier, right at the start of the episode, it did feel like The Taste of Chocolate was the album. You know, that was his third album. Uh, There was kind of a lane that had opened up. You know, this was pre The Chronic. This was pre Snoop. This was pre, you know, Snoop selling 800K first week. This was the time for someone to step up. And if I think about that period from 1990 to 1992, 93, I'm not really seeing... you know do you know what I mean like who was the pinnacle in that two years like who was right up there because obviously Kane you've got LL you've got Rakim you've got Slick Rick you've got you know rappers prior to that Run DMC Public Enemy but I'm not seeing who was that 90-90-90-92 and I thought that that would be Kane's time but it just it didn't really eventuate and that's just a bit curious to me uh I would take a stab, and maybe he's, you know, maybe he's um, said why. You know, he hasn't done much since uh, 98. But I feel like the era that was about to come after that, shiny suit era, bling era, etc. He could have he could have slotted right into that nice and easy. Bro, you know, just music. He would have been maybe amazing not commercially, in that maybe not whatever, but yeah, like, you know. He already did him that talking shit. Lux- him talking luxury shit, like... He did Hello, that shit already, what are we doing man. Here? He, he exactly. could do it. But yeah, like you said, he did it already. He kind of already had that. Um, he already, he'd been there, done that. Um, and something we haven't mentioned um, throughout until um, now is that uh, he's a 5%er. And I feel that, I feel like education he probably got from that side of his life uh, maybe leaned him towards, you know, not chasing um because he easily could have chased he easily just could have like you know just even asked jay for a hookup like he fucking if he he, if anyone deserves it (laughs) it's fucking bdk on that front to get a hookup um but you know just didn't do that for whatever reason my punt would just be that he doesn't didn't want to chase and uh was comfortable with where he was at found some found some center that he felt good at and um you know just kept moving um he is actually dropping a documentary soon um uh featuring the likes of jay and uh jay cole and uh i think like mc light and a bunch of other rappers um i forgot what the just looking up now documentary is uh going to be about uh, yeah, so I saw him do an interview on it, um, uh, interview on it recently. So I was just like, oh right, he's got a thing, he's got a thing coming. Um, so yeah, he's still cooking, and obviously the documentary is going to be uh, where is it? Where is it? Uh, here we go, new documentary. And um, yeah, so he's got that coming, and he's always about. I know he's always doing shows and stuff. 
Um, par- Paragraphs I Manifest is the name of the documentary. There you go. Um, so he put here. He he went on the Tamron Hall, uh, the uh, uh, show, uh, talk show. He goes, uh, quote, we have a lot, lot of young hip-hop artists today that are uh, that are not going to get that guidance from the generation before them, and I just felt like a documentary like this could showcase so many talented artists that have been amazing, amazingly successful, some of the pioneers, male point of view, female point of view, hearing their stories and the importance of lyricism that they could get better understanding. So, yeah, man, it's good. Um, I'm, I'm happy he's doing that. I'm happy he's, um, you know, obviously still doing shows and stuff. Um, I need him to come back to the UK because I missed him the last time he came and uh, I've forever been just so salty about that night. Um, <laughs> why did it go till 2am? The only show that went till fucking 2am and it went to 2am and I had to dip at like 11. So yes, my life is fucked on that front. Miss Cool G Rap and Big Daddy Kane saw the rest of the Juice crew and sorry to the rest of the Juice crew, but come on man, <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm missing the last two dudes. I'm just like, oh no, two goats. Oh my god. Who do you miss? Anyway, cool G yeah. and Big Daddy Kane. I miss Cool G Rap and Big Daddy Kane. Holy shit! It, it was the ju- it was a show a bad of the Juice Crew. It was the show of the Juice Crew, and it was going on till two a.m. And I didn't realize it was going till two a.m. until I had to leave at eleven. And I was like, oh shit, this is still going. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Happy to be here with the Onyx. They like, bro, we were there for ages and they they came on stage at like 12.30. I'm like, holy shit, bro, we've been here for four and a half hours. Yeah, they, oh, they, I, I think they left been, the stage at like yeah. 1.30. It's crazy. I would have been, been, been gone, but anyway. So, yeah, man, here's what it is. Hopefully he comes back one day. Um, fingers crossed. I'm looking forward to that day. And um, I'm actually supposed to be seeing Rakim, uh, aforementioned, uh, in May. We'll see if that gets pushed back yet another year. Um, but yes, fingers crossed for that one as well. Alright, Lion Note, um, I've put my mum onto Suits and she is enjoying the fuck out of it already. Ooh, um, cool. And she will probably rinse all nine seasons within the month. Um, it's a great show. <laughs> because what else, what else is there? We'll so, see yeah, how she goes when she gets to, to you. When we yeah. get to eight and nine, we'll see how she goes. It gets a bit. It's she, no, she she she's a completionist. Okay. If anything, she's a completionist, so she will finish it. I haven't. I've. I think I'm still on like season six or seven. Like I, I, I was, I was steady. I was steady going through it during uni, and then I just fell off. Um, and I just stopped watching. Um, I will. You got to watch it for some Lewis, point. man. You got to watch it for Lewis. He comes into his own. What, he, for the growth. He's the best character on the show in the last season by a long way. He's amazing. Oh uh, well, yeah. He's got, he's the only. Yeah, he's, I guess he kind of has to be from a character arc standpoint because he's has the most to gain because of the first episode he's a complete shit house yeah he was a shit um, so bag. you know he has the most growth to have so that makes sense why you say that um, but yeah anyway well my line that's note, my line note my line note I had, I had a bit of an incident yesterday had a little bit of an incident yesterday okay so just for context I like eating chili I have been eating chili my whole life. I eat very hot amounts of chili. I currently in my fridge have a jar that I had to sign a waiver to buy. Like the, the waiver is like you can't sue us if you get sick, if something goes That's wrong, funny. if you get That's it in your funny. eye. They gave me gloves along with it and like a huge instruction sheet. I like chili. Okay. What do you mean so, give you gloves? You don't eat chili with your hands, do you? Oh, bro, no, 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 no. You can't get it anywhere near. Like, you've got to be wearing gloves at all times when handling anything regarding this chili. If it gets in your eyes, you are fucked. You are in real okay. trouble. It's it's intense, okay? It's, it's right up there. So I was with 
someone over the weekend um, and we were having a lovely time and we were driving to Oberon and we drove past a shop that claimed, it had a claim that it had the hottest corn chips in the world. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool, bro. Cool story. I'm sure you do. So I was like, we have to stop at that place on the way back to Sydney. We absolutely have to. So we stopped in there. It was lovely. The place was great. I picked up my hottest chili in the world chips. They were $12 and there were six chips, six corn chips for $12. So they were $2 a corn chip. So we get in the car and I look at the ingredients. It's California Reaper. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm well versed in California Reaper. I've been around it many times. I've eaten it. In all different settings, I've won chili eating contests with it. I have eaten it, you know, in the middle of the day when I have eaten nothing and I have no plans on eating anything for another six hours. So on the box, it says, do not eat on an empty stomach. I'm like, don't tell me what to do, box. I will do what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat this chili on an empty stomach. So we're sitting in the car outside the place. I haven't eaten all day, remember. This is about 2 p.m., 1 p.m. So I eat two corn chips and they're hot. You know, it's California Reaper. Anyone who knows California Reaper, that shit is hot. But, you know, within 10 minutes, 15 minutes, the heat has dissipated. And the person I was with, she also ate one. And, you know, she's like, yeah, it's hot, but, like, it's nothing crazy. So about an hour later, we're wandering around looking. I actually bought, was looking in a record store, and I bought a U2 cassette, which I was very excited about. And I'm starting to struggle a little bit in my tummy. You know, again, if you've had chili before, you know that it can cause some, like, little discomfort in the stomach. The next half hour was potentially the most pain I've been in in the last 15 years. I was fucked. I mean proper crying, sweating, shaking. I was in the car park in Blackheath in my underwear because I had to take all my clothes off lying on the asphalt because I was in so much pain. I was literally soaked through, sopping wet. You're doing a Ricky Bobby? Bro. A Ricky Bobby? <laughs> what did he do when he do that? Talladega Nights. You ain't seen Talladega Nights? Okay. Yeah, but what 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 scene was that? I need to go watch rewatch that. It's, it's the scene where he's on fire, and he's like, "Oh, I'm on fire!" And then he goes down to his he goes down to his. Uh, it's exactly he's what like, happened. Just running about. <laughs> that's yeah. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Ricky Bobby. That's exactly. It's that. That's uh, exactly okay. Good good reference. Great great pickup. Yes, it's exactly what was happening. I was stripping clothing off in a public car park. Because I was like, I don't care if people see me in my underwear. I'm going to die. I thought I'd have to go to hospital. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So I popped a couple of antacids. Um, that was chill. I calmed down for a couple of minutes. Then it came back again. We had to pull into a fucking rest stop. And I had to use the most disgusting bathroom I've ever seen in my entire life. I was like sitting on this toilet, covered in all sorts of stuff, unable to move. Just completely unable to move. I was just like, I was texting the person I was with, like, can you please come help me up off the toilet? Because I'm like, bro, it fucking floored me. It was the wildest experience. I was in so much pain. I'm never eating chili again. That shit was confronting. It was very confronting. So it was a rough weekend for me. It was a very rough weekend. I got home and uh, it was just liquid, bro. Just straight oh, liquid fuck. coming out of me. Like genuine, fuck. like, right. it was right. it, it was a debacle. Okay. Charlie's like Charlie's like alright alright we're done here so yeah um, if you see a sign for the world's hottest ever corn chips 
<laughs> believe it. <laughs> Don't be a dipshit like me and be like, oh yeah, I'll handle this. I've handled this many times before. I'm I try and be hardcore. No, don't do that. Don't try and be hardcore unless you're hardcore and I'm not hardcore. So yeah, I fucked up, bro. I'm in a lot of pain. I'm still in pain. This shit was intense. <laughs> literally and figuratively literally and figuratively the shit was intense alright well public service announcement then shit in sucking off Revlon which is the most uh, well the pedophilia was the most gross of this episode but yes a lot of gross shit this episode Um, uh, sucking off Revlon is not gross Charlie you need to expand your it's it's a bit gross gross. you need to expand your palate I'm not I'm not sucking off whatever chemical uh, concoction that um, the uh, nail polish is. I'm not, I'm not, no, it's not my steez. No, anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll leave it there. <laughs> Charlie's a prude, it's but been, okay. It's, 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 yeah, it's been digging digits. Very interesting one. Um, yeah, I'm Charlie Taylor, fair fan of it. I'll leave it Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. Um, we have mentioned the artist we're doing next week, so feel free to listen and try and guess which one which one it is out of the bunch we mentioned. Ah, uh, what? We are doing a little B retrospective one day. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, but yeah, until then, hope you all have a good week. Which you always try to do the same. But until next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is piece of video games by bonus points. Thanks to Chill Music for the ability to use. Socials with Fenement Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Music will be in the full show notes as well as names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a 5 VPN production. Thanks for spending time with us. But we'll just see you next time on Digging in the Digits.